0: The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even the speakers are in playoff mode. OK, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. This
1: is what you love about
0: The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to the Fantasy Footballers
1: DFS and Betting Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgononi and Matthew Betts.
0: Welcome in. One and all. We're back. It's the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew Put All Your Money Bets.
1: All your money this summer into best ball. What could go wrong, Kyle? I mean, are you going to max the, the uh, BBM or what?
0: You know, I'm not really a max guy. I'm not trying to flex because, you, listen, everybody has a different bankroll. But when you're saying I can max this thing you know all 150 entries you're just saying you're rolling and i'm not gonna lie i don't have that kind of cash to throw around (laughs) maybe we can get some from brooks what do you think brooks has already maxed it out he actually just donated the money and he actually said i don't even want to draft anymore so like drafting is the part of best ball but brooks is just so forward thinking that he said i'm not
1: even going to draft her but i mean that's a flex (laughs) That really is. You know what Brooks would do? If he had enough money to do this, which he does, he would create a a burner and do it twice. Just create two accounts, (laughs) maybe one through a friend or something, and uh, just double max enter Best Ball Mania. But yes, dude, I am excited, man. It feels like this summer, like it's kind of a slow roll, and then eventually you get to a point where you're like, whoa, like tomorrow is July, July 1st. We're rolling into the 4th of July weekend, which should be great. And then, man, training camps are like two or three weeks away, so it is football time, and I am very excited. On this show, we will be talking
0: about best ball traps. It's a trap! We will be talking some mistakes that we see people make. We make all the time. It's really easy when you're in the middle of a draft to just fall victim to this is who's up next, and this is who I need to draft, this is all I need to do. Betts doesn't make mistakes, but apparently, I was just drafting a team, and you know my bye weeks weren't great, but... There are certain bi-week bros and gals out there that that's the number one thing that they avoid. I don't care in a tournament. I really don't. At that point, it's totally fine. I'm going to be able to mix it up. So we'll talk about some of those. I also can't wait to talk about some of the new formats that we're getting in best ball this year. We're just, uh, over the next couple weeks, get to talk about some different tournaments, including one that Underdog just came out with called Weekly Winners. Uh, Have you seen them post about that? It was yesterday.
1: I did see the post. I haven't had much time to actually digest the format and kind of think about how that might change your strategy. My initial thought is it might be good to stack up by weeks because the idea is, you know, every week there's a payout to uh, first and there's 17 of them. So basically it's like you get 17 chances at first. And if you're stacking up by weeks, it means you have a better chance to have all of your roster available to contribute for uh, you know a certain week. Obviously you're going to, You're going to lose the week that you stack with the bye weeks, but it gives you a better shot otherwise. So that's my initial take. Other than that, though, I haven't really had much time to think about it. So uh, for everyone listening, do not take that as hard and fast (laughs) advice because I need more time to sit down and actually look at this thing.
0: Yeah, it's just another way for us to play best ball and to get paid out weekly. So for some people, that sounds awesome because they're giving away 20K to first place every single week. So let's be honest, this is a DFS tournament that you are drafting now without all the information. So the format is fun. We'll talk maybe a little bit more in the coming weeks, but it 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 kind of plays into our d f s mindset and the way that we're looking at it and the way that we're talking about stacking. so I can't wait to draft a team and go all in on the week four stack that I don't know anything about you know it's like oh this these two teams are playing week four, and then at the end of the day you're like oh that 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 quarterback's out, so it doesn't really matter for that team so <laughs> Best ball money is a different kind of money to invest. Like, just to be clear and upfront, this is what we do for a living. This is what we give advice for. It's awesome, especially in the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus. But you're investing money that you might not see a return for for six plus months. And you're banking on a week 17 matchup. So there's just so many things that have to go right. And that's why we like combining the two with the DFS mindset. So we'll definitely be talking about that more. I wanted to quickly, before we go into our traps, talk about some recent rankings changes. We talk all the time that our UDK Plus is always updated in the app. You can kind of see we push some recent changes through. So who are some players that you're wanting people to draft at the end of their drafts? And you've kind of adjusted your rankings. We're mostly talking around, you know, pick 200 or later.
1: Yeah, so this is the range that personally I hate taking a wide receiver, unless it correlates, you know, week 17 or completes a stack or something like that. But, you know, the hit rate on these guys is generally not good. That said, there are wide receivers that are going in this range of the draft that I think are draftable. Uh, Speaking to the New York situation, you know, Wandale Robinson is a guy I kind of thought might be healthier than he is right now at this point in the season, saying, look, we can take him maybe in round, you know, 15, 16. But things are not trending in the right direction. He didn't run any routes at OTAs or minicamp. Um, you know, so that's definitely a, a negative. And I think the fact that they signed Paris Campbell, they've got Sterling Shepard coming back. you know, uh, Jamison Crowder, whoever else is on the roster, these slot wide receivers, probably tells us we should temper expectations for Wandell. So I have moved him down. His ADP is falling. I, I've certainly followed the market there. I have moved Paris Campbell up. But disclaimer, I would be very careful chasing Paris Campbell into round fourteen, fifteen, 15, uh, where I think he will go over the next three to four weeks. Look back to last year, <laughs> the same thing happened, right? We were like, oh, Matt Ryan to Paris Campbell stacks, baby. This is a guy who's averaged five and a half fantasy points per game in his career. We have a large enough sample size to know kind of who he is. So I have him as a round 18 pick, which means I probably won't get a lot of him. And then I also moved up Darius Slayton uh, kind of in the same vein. He's been running with the first team this offseason. We talked about the Jalen Hyatt situation on the Dynasty podcast, saying, you know, he's running with a third team. Slayton was out there with Hodgins as the perimeter guys with Paris Campbell in the slot. So Slayton is up for me. Uh Paris Campbell is up a little bit for me. Wendell Robinson is down for me.
0: What's wild about Jalen Hyatt is somebody we talked about Dynasty podcast, and then it was a fade for you. And his ADP, did you see where it's at now? It's at one eighty six. So he's dropped. Yeah, it's
1: it's sinking like a rock, man. I mean and that's kind of where I've had him all along. So I have, uh, I think, one share of Jalen Hyatt this summer, and it's when he fell to, like, you know, round 17, 18.
0: I just took him for the first time. Uh, I took Daniel Jones, and I was just waiting on a Giants player, and he was dropping below Paris Campbell. So I said, hey, I'm just going to stack him up. But it in best ball, people, I don't know if you realize this, it's really hard for players to fall that far unless there's, you know, an injury news Or, you know, Dalvin Cook doesn't have a team, those kind of things. It's really easy for players to rise. Like you're seeing that with Paris Campbell. So to drop 50 spots, you know, there was a time where where I was saying, like, oh, Jalen Hyatt is one of the highest drafted third round rookie wide receivers ever in best ball. We don't have to say that anymore. He's going in the right range now, where I feel fine with the risk. And maybe this he's more of a second half guy for this team where you can get some big plays. So that's that's really what I care about. I have more darius slayton than anyone else because dude's gonna be on the field all right and that's all i really care about uh i wanted to get your thoughts real quick on the on Devonte parker because i just moved him up to 198 oh big
1: Devonte guy huh
0: i just i, I <laughs> want people to be able to get him ahead of taekwon who i just trashed the uh the other day on the dynasty podcast
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, what a signing, right? I, we don't know the full details yet. I'm sure it'll come out that it's a lot of incentives and things like that. But to sign Devontae Parker to air quotes, a three-year deal, it's probably going to be more like a one or two-year deal with a, a void option or something. But I don't know, man. What is New England doing? I, I don't understand. But the contract you know, says he's probably going to be a starting wide receiver. And in the offseason, they've been running a ton of two tight end sets with Mike Sicki, and Hunter Henry, who I think are both good picks right now for the fact that I don't think they're giving you zeros, you know, in round 16, 17, 18, especially Hunter Henry, who doesn't even go drafted in half the drafts I'm in. So if you want to do a three tight end build, Hunter Henry as your third tight end certainly makes sense. If you want to include him as a Buffalo Bills bring back player, that makes sense to me. So yeah, man, I've also moved Devontae Parker up. Taequann Thornton has come down in my rankings. We talked about that a few weeks ago, just saying like, look, there's a lot of smoke around DeAndre Hopkins. I'm worried about Taequann Thornton just from the situation standpoint. But when you throw in the fact that now they signed Devontae Parker, they might be running a lot of two wide receiver sets. They paid Juju in free agency. So I think it's going to be Juju and Devontae with Taequann kind of rotating in. It's going to be tough for him to pay that off, especially when you factor in the hit rate on these guys as rookies who do what he did, which is basically nothing (laughs) in year one. The hit rate is so low. So I have taken, I think, one share this summer of Thornton. I've been mostly uh, on a fade for him.
0: Yeah, their rotation's going to be weird because Kendrick Bourne will still mix in and on a per-touch basis, he's actually been really good. He's just never going to be a guy that's going to get much volume and then you got your boy Keshawn Boutte that uh I won't be drafting anywhere. Um Nope. <laughs> I'll talk later. You know, when we say when I say, "Ooh, I've moved this guy in my top 200," like we're saying that you can draft them. We're not saying, "Please go after this guy." Like I I'm I, at the end of my drafts, there are so many different players that I get exposure to that are around pick 200. Um, and I'll give some data on that later about traps because it's, guys, it's rough. It's, you're, not, you're not probably going to find this year's you know Hunter Renfro from two years ago. It's, it's pretty hard to find that. Um, a player that I have inside my top 200 and I am drafting a lot is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Okay? Tell me if I'm a bit too bullish bets on that because Pacheco... I get why people are excited for him, but Pacheco is going in a place where I just don't feel comfortable at 81st overall. McKinnon is all the way up at 128, and McKinnon's one of those players that if everybody's gone, it's great. If not, you're getting a couple of catches, and his touchdowns last year were alarmingly high through the passing game. And then Clyde edwards helaire is just completely buried. I get they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, but... He's somebody that I think can be the RB2 on this team at the end of the year. And if I'm drafting there, I think he's going to have live snaps compared to a ton of other running backs there. So am I a bullish on moving CEH in my top 200?
1: I think once you get past uh, 190, 195, anything goes. You know what I mean? Like as long as you can tell yourself a story where this guy has a path to opportunity It's a viable round 18 pick. Now, a lot of these guys are going to be misses. Would it shock anyone if Clyde edwards does nothing this year? Of course not, right? But is there a situation where, you know, Pacheco gets injured and they still view McKinnon as just this, you know, uh, kind of scat back, which he has been throughout his career? Sure. Right now, when you look at the depth chart, there isn't much on there to compete with CEH as the guy that could get some usable weeks. And in round 18, that's really all you're asking for is, can I get three, four weeks out of this guy in my roster? Maybe there's a scenario, and certainly playing for the Chiefs doesn't hurt. That said, man, the touchdowns just have not been there for the running backs as runners, right? Like, Pacheco, he feels like a hollow pick this year, right? Like, he has to hit seven, eight touchdowns to pay off his ADP. I've been mostly on a fade for him. And when you think about this team with their pass rate over expectation inside the 20, inside the 10-yard line, like... I don't know, man. I just I'm not in on Chiefs running backs for that reason, and especially on Jarek McKinnon, like you talked about. Uh, we we spent a lot of time on the Dynasty Show just reminding people like where are the ages that these guys fall off. I don't want to be betting on a Jarek McKinnon who's I don't know 30, 31, whatever he is right now, 32 years old um, at this point in his career. So I get it on Ceh personally though. If I'm being honest, I haven't drafted him a bunch. We
0: talked about Jarek McKinnon yesterday on the main show. We had a voicemail question about him. We kind of outlined his. You know, where he's at, it was only a million dollars guaranteed. If this was full PPR, I'd be having a different conversation about him because he was number one in the league last year among all running backs in fantasy points per opportunity in PPR leagues. But it's not. It's half half PPR. He's going to have some touchdown regression. Okay, let me put this to the test, and then we'll move on. Would you rather have CH or the guys that don't have a team yet? The Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, Kareem Hunt.
1: I'm worried about Kareem Hunt. I think Zeke signs somewhere. I think there's a chance Zeke can fall in the end zone six or seven times this year. And if I'm getting that in round 18, then sign me up. Now, I'm not taking Zeke where he goes, which is like 175, 176, somewhere in there. But there's been drafts where it's like, okay, I'm at 195. Zeke's still on the board. I feel confident he's going to sign somewhere and fall in the end zone. So I will pick him. Um, And then, yeah, I think Leonard Fournette probably signs with the team too. The efficiency last year was so bad. And the warning signs are there that his best days are behind him. But again, when you're looking at this opportunity cost, that's kind of where I would go and say like, look, I, I kind of know what CEH is. I kind of know his situation. I think I'd rather right now gamble that these guys go to a, a more profitable situation where they can get the goal line role. Whereas in uh, Kansas City, as I talked about, it's Mahomes and and that's basically it.
0: Yeah, I have Zeke ahead of CEH in my ranks and then Fournette's, Fournette and CEH like right next to each other. But Hunt, all the news we've gotten from Hunt is that he's wanted to get a deal and teams are just think he's just dust right now, which is really sad considering he was an awesome player and awesome terms of avoiding tackles. So uh, you can get all those rankings. Like we mentioned, the ultimate draft kit plus those are always updated, but let's talk some best ball. Best ball bonanza. We're going to talk about some mistakes, some traps that, People make and bets. You've written this article before, and we'll have kind of a variation of it this year. Of just these are the traps that we all fall into when we're drafting, and this is just a bonus one off the top. But using last year's data or just finding some type of graph on Twitter that confirms what you want to do is not going to help you, right? Like I mentioned earlier, Hunter Renfro, you know, went past pick two years ago and was incredible. If you just said, hey, I know I can find receivers past pick 200 because Hunter Renfro was there in 2021, that's not going to happen again. Like, You you can't look at 2021's data and say, hey, I'm going to find a Cooper Cup in the same exact spot in the fourth, fifth round. So please know when we talk about last year's data or we refer to something that someone else says, it is a piece of the puzzle. It's not prescriptive. I talk about that a lot like, Statistics are mostly descriptive. This is what happened, but it's not saying this is what will happen. Okay. You know, there are certain players where you can kind of bank on this is what they are because we've seen it year in, year out. Like Keenan Allen is around a hundred receptions. Now that will soon not be a thing anymore because he's gonna age out of it. You know, there are certain players that just this is what they are, but you can't just look at last year's data and copy and paste it. We can't say, Hey, this is where tight ends excelled last year. Let's just find a tight end there. It is a piece of the puzzle we use and then we kind of move forward with that. So keep that in mind. Bets, I will let you go first uh, with one of your traps. It's a trap. Admiral Akbar is going to lead us into every single
1: trap. I love that. By the way, before I start, are you feeling okay? because I think this is the first time I've ever and we've done a ton of shows together. Heard you say something negative about Keenan Allen. <laughs> you just said he's going to age out eventually. Are you are you feeling all right, buddy? I'm I know
0: that I'm shielding myself from pain as I did with Julio. Where Okay, good. <laughs> because with Julio, I knew he was dust. I would never say it publicly. But it's just it's painful to see your heroes and I'm I'm older than these dudes, so it's it's like my my boys know that the cliff's coming and I think Alan has one at least one more year
1: yeah okay just just checking so my first uh trap here on the show today is going to be following ADP as a hard and fast rule now we have talked a lot about ADP it is important the market gets sharper as the summer goes on and we found through a lot of studies if you are reaching on players it's not good for your advance rate similarly if you're letting players fall past ADP and you can get them as an ADP value that is good for your advanced rate. So it shows that it has value in the market. And what I'm saying is we don't want to ignore it, but I will see people in drafts or I'll have questions, you know, in Discord or on Twitter where it's like, hey man, I'm up next, you know, in the slow draft. Pierce who's on the clock. Like, I feel like I gotta take this guy. Like he's right there at ADP. ADP is a guide, right? And I, I kinda wanna link this back to um some things that go wrong. Injuries are gonna happen. We don't know who it's gonna be, but injuries will happen. There are many situations right now that are very uncertain. Who's the RB2 in Minnesota? Where is Dalvin going? Leonard Fournette, Cream Hunt, Zeke. That's all going to move ADP. And the market every year tends to be either over or underconfident in situations. Last year, we had you know, Russ and the Broncos. What could go wrong? This is going to be the best team in the NFL. This is incredible. This is what you need to win in best ball. They were terrible. Jalen Tolbert. Remember the summer of Jalen Tolbert? got steamed up as a 10th, 11th, 12th round pick at points. Gabe Davis was in the dream scenario. He's going to be incredible as a top 24 wide receiver. He's going to go in round three, round four by the time August got here. We're overconfident in things and things are wrong. We're also underconfident and tend to fade things way too much sometimes when we just need to bet on talent. Gino and Drew Locke, we made fun of the Seahawks all summer. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf were incredible picks at their ADP, right? So things go wrong. Let's go back to 2021, Kyle. Let's, uh let's just talk about Trey Lance <laughs> for oh, a second. God.
0: No, don't, you know, I...
1: okay, this actually it happened, probably, it, it happened.
0: This, this is also a bit of a negative podcast. Like I realized that we're bringing up mistakes and traps. So people are just in a mood where they're ready to rant. So
1: just go for it. Yeah. Trey Lance was the worst pick of that summer. <laughs> Hands down the worst pick, right? It was like, okay, like round 11. Yeah, great. Round 10. I'm still in. Round seven, <laughs> round eight, what are we doing here, right? So, if you just follow ADP as hard and fast, this is right, we're going to get stuff wrong. And sometimes it's good to fade things. Sometimes it's good to think about when you're on the clock, think critically about what you're doing with your pick. Um, I go back to DFS, right? If we just assume roster percentages are correct every week and we only play the chalk, that, there's a reason you don't win tournaments, right? You need to get different. You need to understand that. That things are wrong and sometimes we're overconfident. So what I like to do when I'm using ADP, again, we don't want to reach more than a round and a half. We want to be smart about this, but I like to think about this when I'm on the clock with ADP. There are certain players that fall to a range, but don't be afraid to grab a player a few spots ahead of ADP, especially for a tournament, if they fit your team stack, you know, you have a a pass catcher, you have their quarterback, whatever, they're part of your week 17 game stack, or he fits what you need from a roster construction standpoint, meaning you know, you've got a zero RB build. You've already got six wide receivers. You should probably side with the running back in that situation, right? One example that I think about is let's say you pick 12th overall. You know, at the turn, you pick Amon Ra and CD. They've got great week 17 correlation. They're great picks. Then you get to picks 36 and 37. And the following names could be there. Like what if Debo Samuel falls? What if Amari Cooper falls? Lamar Jackson could fall to you. Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Christian Watson. Those are all possible picks there. But Jameer Gibbs is at pick one, uh, pick 41. If you are betting on that game going off, even if you don't think Gibbs is a better quote-unquote player, a better pick than Amari Cooper, than Keenan Allen, whoever you, you want to put there, I think we should pick Jameer Gibbs, right? You're betting on that game. You're betting on the Lions anyway. So it makes sense to use that and, and kind of use it as a tiebreaker. So my thing is just ADP matters, but it is not gospel. And we want to make sure that we're thinking critically when we're on the clock.
0: Yeah, I think when you get to you know, rounds four or five, like you've established the foundation of your team, you're starting to understand what the roster construction should look like for your team. Okay, so if you went wide receiver, wide receiver, you then are telling yourself, okay, I'm probably not going to have an elite tight end here unless you, you know, you really like Mark Andrews and it gets to you. What's probably going to happen is that you are going to have to start betting on offenses and betting on teams and going in that direction rather than just saying, I'm going to look at the ADP, and based on my roster construction this is what i need. I think that's that's the fallacy of roster construction is i went this way early therefore i have to go this way here when it's more of betting on what archetypes and what type of team i want at the very end. And we've used this strategy before but um one you have to draft as if you're right in best ball but also you need to do some backwards thinking. I I did an article a couple years ago called backwards design. Shout out to all my Ah, uh, former teachers out there, uh, that had to learn that type of style. But like you're They're drafting, so proud of you. I know, I know, all of my uh, pedagogical folk. <laughs> that's a that's a fun <laughs> word for the day. Um, Such a nerd. I know. It, you're drafting backwards. You're designing your team from the back. So like, okay, I know at the very end I want this. Okay, but if you are looking at your team and you're drafting an ADP, you're just going to take the next wide receiver that's up at pick 200. And we'll talk in a second. Wide receivers past two pick two hundred, they're dust. Running backs past pick two hundred, they are dust as well. So if you are just looking, except at, Ceh, <laughs> uh, well he's in my top two hundred man. So I <laughs> oh, I forgot, <laughs> I think he's like one ninety nine or one ninety eight whatever. Um, so I agree with you. I think, I think it's easy. That's the easiest trap to fall into because we have an app in front of us that's color coded that tells us who the next person's at, but. I mean, we'll talk, when you get to 170, 180 with wide receivers even, it's bad. Like, I have a team right now where I'm drafting, and I'm kind of short on wide receivers, and I think this is a mistake I've made. And I look at who's on the board, and I have to ask myself, did I construct my team the right way? Because what's on the board right now is just quarterbacks and running backs, and my team's basically done in those, like, they already have two Uh, elite quarterbacks and I'm almost done at running back. So then you kind of ask yourself, if you just follow ADP, sometimes you will come up very short at the very end. And it feels like your last two or three picks end up being, I guess these guys I need to put on my roster. I guess I need a wide receiver six now when, you know, earlier you can kind of work backwards and think differently. So I am, I'm with you, my friend. Let's talk about wide receivers because I think their ADPs are the most deceiving. And especially this year, like with wide receivers being pushed up, do you think this is more philosophical? So let's go real deep here. Do you think that just, that's what we've all bought into? And I'm including myself in is just, this is just the way we should go this year with wide receivers going up.
1: I think, I think there's a point where it's correct. Like there's, you know, we, we want to be careful about small sample sizes, but we've got three straight years showing like, wide receiver heavy teams have done extremely well and teams that spend lower draft capital in general on running back have done much better. And that's been pretty consistent. So I think it's right. And especially like you talked about with the landscape of wide receiver after, you know, pick a hundred ish, like the Juju, Michael Thomas tier. Like after that, man, it's like, I don't know if Jonathan Mingo is going to be good. Like I, You know, I don't want to take Jalen Hyatt. Like these guys are just so thin and and feel fragile that I don't want to be picking my wide receiver four or my wide receiver five. Truthfully, in that range, so I want to be done with wide receiver before I get there. So even though this is what everyone's doing, I, I feel like it's right. You know what I mean? Like I feel like it's kind of one of those situations where we can identify other spots in the draft from an ADP standpoint, from a roster construction standpoint, to get different. And I don't want to be the one that's like. Competing with you know teams that start their draft with three wide receivers in the first five rounds, and I'm like, you know, sweet man, I'm I'm gonna get you with Jonathan Mingo and Jalen Hyatt. Watch out, like my team's dust, right? It's dud. So I think that is right.
0: All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come right back. The
1: NBA playoffs
0: are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Oh, a Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Oh. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. This is what you love about the NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. I've got some data for us, but I need to hit that trap drop one more time. It's a trap. So wide receiver ADPs are a bit deceiving and they could be a trap. So just to give you reference of we were talking about wide receiver ADPs being pushed up this year, there are 13 wide receivers right now going in the top 20. Okay. If you were to take 2021 and 2022 and combine those, there was 13 wide receivers going in the top 20. So like this year is doing as much wide receiver early as the last two years combined. So there, there's a lot being pushed up. And I'm not saying it's wrong with those guys. Like, who am I to say that A.J. Brown or C.D. Lamb or like Garrett Wilson, like, I have stances on those players. But if you take wide receivers early and you go double wide receiver, all of those teams, like, through the first two rounds, I'm like, oh, that's a good team, <laughs> right? Like, you can't, like, look at these guys and go, oh, man, this team started, you know, Garrett Wilson and Amon Ra, or this team started like Diggs and I don't know, like Olave. It's like, those are awesome teams and they probably will do well. So I'm not going to poke holes in that type of theory. What I want to bring up more is the points added, because that's in best ball what we care about the most. And I think that statistic goes underserved sometimes. Like you're not getting 100% of Amon Ra's points this year, Okay. Because, you know, the guy's going to just have some weeks where he's just not good. I don't know why. Just of all players, like, he's just not going to be good, Bets, I think you're wrong. <laughs> I mean, look at Amon Ra's stats last year, and you'll you'll see that you didn't get all of his points last year. Like, I, I can look it up right now, but, like, Amon Ra, you only got 165 points last year. And we can look up his total fantasy points, but that's not all of them, okay? So, in best ball, you're getting the best score. and some weeks, you're not using them for people. But the points added, and I'm just, guys, I'm just toasting him on Amon uh, Ra. I'm not just saying it's just a, you know, every, every wide receiver has that. Or I just had all to I've, use him. All I need
1: to let the people know, Kyle, is that we have a shared team, one of our higher stakes teams, and we took Amon Ra. So you are financially committed to cheer for this player this year. And I'm happy about that.
0: I am. No, no, no. If he does well, it's because we drafted him. If he does bad, it's because you drafted him.
1: <laughs> I, did, I did, I did force that pick. I'm not going to lie.
0: <laughs> so points added is what I care about the most. So I want to give you some statistics as you move down ADP with wide receivers over the last couple years. Here's how many points on average they've added to your teams. Okay. If they were a top 60 pick over the last two years, because that's the underdog data we have, they added 130 points. Okay. On average, a top 60 pick. So I just gave you Amon Ra 165 points. Okay. On average it's just 130 points for your team. And there are outliers in this. Like I was putting together this data set and Cooper Cup breaks everything, by the way. If you do if you use any data set and you have 2021 Cooper Cup, he breaks all of the advance rates. Um his advance rate was near fifty percent. And so my chart just looks like, oh, there's Cooper Cup and everybody else. But the first 60 picks, it's really hard to get it crazily wrong right and right now in the top 60 we have 30 wide receivers going there okay so this year I would say I would expect those points added to go down a little bit because you're having so many players shoved in there where there's some running back values that are going to be in the 60s so the running back data actually might be skewed this year because of how they're getting pushed down but on average 130 points is added by a top 60 pick now if you start going down a little bit That changes, okay? The points added that you're getting, it's different. But in the top 90 this year, I think you can still find quality wide receivers, okay? You just have to identify the right archetypes. So when you're drafting for your team, if you're just looking at ADP and you just take the next wide receiver up, you're going to miss out on what type of players you need, especially on a half point site. So this year, I've leaned more into guys that I'm like, okay, I get it. It's not going to be pretty some weeks. But this is a player on an offense I like that, generally speaking, is a touchdown dude, right? Like the Gabe Davis types. Uh, Mike Evans, you might not like the offense, but he's historically been a touchdown dude. Tyler Lockett, he's always been a touchdown type of guy. So I'm going to buy into players and wide receivers in this range from the 60 to 90 range that either are touchdown guys, they're on a good offense like Seattle or Baltimore that we buy into, They could be the number one in their offense, Deontay Johnson, or breakouts that we believe in. So I think you and I both believe in Jahan Dotson at wide receiver 39. Um, So you could go through your draft, and everybody's picking these guys, right? They're in the top 90 picks. The problem is, if you don't have four or five guys in the top 90, by the time you're getting to pick 100, you're dust to me. Like, you need four or five wide receivers, in your roster before pick 100 or you enter this crazy i don't even want to call it a dead zone we need to rebrand it but past pick 100 this year is so rough at wide receiver i'm going to give you some names and at the end of this bet so you can tell me how you feel emotionally okay when you start to get near pick 100 these are the guys that are going there michael thomas Cortland sutton jameson williams tyler boyd Juju Smith Schuster, Alan Lazard, Odell Beckham, Sky Moore. How do you feel about those bros?
1: I hate it. <laughs> I really hate it. This I think we should rename it the the instead of the dead zone for wide receivers. This is dust, man. I mean, Michael Thomas, like, it's been so long, right? Like Cortland Sutton, the writing's on the wall that he's just not the guy we thought he was. Tyler Boyd's competing with You know, two of the arguably the best wide receiver one-two combo in the NFL, Juju hasn't practiced since becoming a Patriot. Like Alan Lazard, yeah, he'll probably catch six touchdowns, whatever. Like Odell, we haven't seen it, right? These guys are, this is this is gross, Kyle. Now I'm now I'm in a bad mood. Thanks a lot.
0: It's so I can go down a little bit further. When you get to pick one twenty, my point in bringing this up is the trap is. Not only are wide receivers here and they're pushed up the board, but I haven't got even got my fourth wide receiver. I need to take them. I promise you, when you have teams where you're taking Michael Thomas or Cortland Sutton or Juju as your wide receiver four, you are not going to be able to compete with these other teams that loaded up on players I identified earlier with those certain archetypes. Over the last two years, the average points added for wide receivers picked after pick 100. Okay, Here's how it drops off. I said before the average was 130 for a top sixty pick, for past pick one hundred, it's thirty one points. That's the average Woof. that that is helping your roster. For reference, okay, for reference, last year Randall Cobb added thirty four points to rosters. Do you remember what Old Randall? Randall Old Randy. Even, what did he even do last year? I don't even remember.
1: Dude, I don't. I think he was just out there running around and was just like happy to be there. I mean, he
0: just happened to be with Rogers. It's his boy. It's rough. It's really rough, people. And so my advice, once again is that do not fall into the ADP trap of wide receivers. This is a range where I was looking at my exposures and I said, okay, do I actually do this? Because it's one thing to say it on a podcast, but I looked at my exposures and I said, am I taking wide receivers between wide receiver 40, where is it at? Uh, 47 for Michael Thomas and wide receiver 58, which is Darnell Mooney. So between picks 92 through 125, do I have high exposures? And there's only two of them that are even showing up in my top 15, okay? It's Michael Gallup, who has kind of slowly risen in ADP, and I'm buying into the Dallas offense, and it's Odell Beckham when I'm stacking with Lamar Jackson. And that's it. Like, I'm not taking... I mean, I have some one-offs, of course, but I'm not taking the guys in these range because I feel like the added points for my team drops off so significantly. And then the other part is I get to the end of my roster, like I mentioned, and I'm having to take other dudes just to like get to seven or eight wide receivers that's the yep. that's the most painful part when you're drafting you're like I have to get to seven or eight wide receivers and I'm having to load up on 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 turds at the very end so <laughs> uh, um last couple of numbers I'll give you and then bets you can respond the hit rate on wide receivers 150 plus their points added is 25 points okay so it's actually not that big of a difference and you think of like pick 100 and pick 150 When you get to pick 200 or plus, it's about 20 points added. And that includes Hunter Renfro's points in there. So it just drops off a cliff once you get to pick 100. So my advice this year is don't fall into that tier trap.
1: Yep. I think it's, if there's one thing that we take away from the show today, I think this is it. I really think that if you are relying on these guys to be a starting contributor to your best ball team. Might as well look towards next year. <laughs> it really, it really is an unlikely situation, especially with the names that you talked about there. So I'm with you. I mean, I have exposure to a bunch of these guys, but it's only in the right scenarios. You know, uh, a stack or a game stack, stuff like that. But yes, I'm with you. I'm I'm coming out hot and heavy on wide receivers out of the gate.
0: All right, so I need to just quickly ask about Beckham because the ADPs have separated for the other Baltimore wide receivers, where it's clearly like, okay, Bateman's pushed up and Flowers right behind him. And then Beckham's sitting at 112 and was paid a boatload of money, but he could be dust. So is Beckham one of those players that you're only adding in Baltimore stacks? Or do you think, okay, like he could lead the team behind Mark Andrews in receptions?
1: I think he's an okay pick on underdog where it's half PPR and you're saying, look, if, if he somehow gets to six, seven, eight touchdowns, like that's incredible. But is he ever going to give you the DraftKings scoring type of you know, season where you're like, I need eighty catches and a thousand yards and like four touchdowns, like that seems incredibly unlikely at this point in his career. So I think he's a better pick when you talk about archetype on underdog. That said, I am only taking him pretty much when I have Lamar as part of the stack because what you're saying in that situation is Lamar rolls, the offense rolls, and Odell is a part of it. Whereas if you're taking Odell without Lamar, you're basically saying like I hope he gives me you know, wide receiver three numbers, which is certainly possible. But I feel like correlating that bet makes a lot of sense. So I'm with you in, in that aspect of taking him only with, when I have Lamar as part of the stack. Um But you're right, man. This feels like a tricky situation with Baltimore where it's like you could talk yourself into Bateman or Zay Flowers or even Odell. But I keep coming back to Mark Andrews as he is an alpha. He is the wide receiver one. He's the dude. So I've been taking a ton of Mark Andrews and I've sort of cooled on these other guys when I don't have Lamar just because, you know, Bateman with the uh, foot issue still going on. Zay Flowers is a rookie. And then Odell, obviously the concerns are are well documented at this point.
0: And everyone probably knows that we're always high on the Ravens (laughs) almost every year. And this year I feel like it's just going to be such a fun case study to watch what they do with the offense. And you could have multiple players pay off it's just really hard to separate the wide receivers. Like Todd Monken's offense have always been wide receiver heavy. And now we have a team that's never been wide receiver heavy. So it's just going to be interesting to look at the end of the year. I think one of those wide receivers will be a smash pick going near pick 90. And then, you know, it could be Beckham at one. But I want to bet on that offense. And that's what I'm doing there. I'm not saying, you know, one of those guys can separate from the others or that they're better. I don't know the answer. But I think that you're going to get a win rate player if they have an outlier, you know, type of you know, season or or if Lamar just somehow leads the league in passing touchdowns bets.
1: I was just going to bring that up. If you really do want to bet on the Ravens, um his line was 75 to 1 to lead the NFL in passing touchdowns. Now look, that's unlikely to happen. There's a reason those odds exist, but this is an incredible value play when you think about the talent that is surrounded around him, the offensive coordinator And when I look at this betting in the long shot market, I'm looking to see, does this player hit an 85th, 90th percentile outcome? And Lamar Jackson has already led the NFL in passing touchdowns. The fact that he is priced with CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Derek Carr, the list goes on and on. Guys like that, Jimmy G, like Jimmy G is not leading the NFL passing touchdowns. There's 0% chance of that happening. So I'm gonna bet on Lamar at 75 to one. If that still exists on DraftKings, that is one that we gave out in our Discord about a week ago.
0: Wasn't Baker like right next to him too?
1: Yeah, it, this, the odds were just silly. Yeah, that's that's stupid.
0: All right, you get to go next, bets. It's a drop. All
1: right, it is almost July. Technically, still June, and we have no idea what's happening this NFL season. Kyle, am I right? I mean, we get stuff wrong on the DFS show all the time. We get stuff wrong when you think about the market with ADP and player takes and coaching changes. Truthfully, the more that you embrace that we don't actually know what's going to happen, I think you can open your mind to be a better best ball drafter, meaning it's okay to have player takes. It's good to buy into offenses you trust, stuff like that. But you should question ADPs. We already talked about that. You should question where the market's over or underconfident. And I think one trap is overvaluing a player's week one outlook and or their projected playing time. You know, like I said, it's June, man. Injuries are going to happen. Players are going to lose their starting job. Um, You know, players will decline, stuff like that. And where the money is so top heavy in weeks, uh, you know, 15, 16, 17 in the playoffs, and especially in week 17, I want to be betting on good roster construction, correlation, and trying to identify upside cases for players, not the safe picks. So, when I'm looking at you know tournament-style drafting, um, there's a lot of guys right now that look pretty good for Week 1. Cam Akers, right? The Rams pulled a fast one on us last year. Uh, he reportedly was behind Karim Williams in Week 1, but no one knew about it. Then he was almost out of the league. Then he was incredible. No one knows what Cam Akers is, but right now he looks pretty good for Week 1. James Conner, right? He's 28 years old. The Cardinals have no one to compete with him for touches he has to be the guy right and we're drafting him week one to be the guy but is he the guy in week 16 17 where when it matters he's an older running back this is a bad team this is a new coaching staff there's concerns Kadarius Tony he plays for the Chiefs there's lots of hype right now that he's entering the season as the wide receiver one if he is so good why did they draft Rasheed Rice why do they have Sky Moore why all these things right like Kadarius Tony just to Real quick for Kadarius Toney. He was traded mid-season, and sometimes that's tough for guys to get on the field. I understand that. But then he played a few weeks, had a hamstring injury, and came back. And this is weeks after the trade happened. His routes run by week from week 15 on was 3, 9, 15, 6, 12, 3 in the conference championship game. He injured his ankle. And then 5 routes in the Super Bowl. That is wild. I... I, I I haven't taken Kadarius Tony. I don't know, man. I'm willing to be wrong. But right now, he looks like a good pick for, for week one, right? I don't... It's it's risky. Cortland Sutton, he looks like a good pick for week one. But all of the signs in his profile say he's probably not that dude. He's coming off a career low in yards per catch. His yards per out run number dropped to 1.55. That was 41st among qualifying wide receivers. This is a new coaching staff. The team traded up for Marvin Mims when they already had a deep wide receiver core. There's talk about Fireball Jones already, Tim Patrick, you know, Adam Thielen. He's going to be 33 years old. He signed that silly free agency contract. On paper, he is a starting wide receiver for Carolina. But is Bryce Young even good? Is Adam Thielen still on the field in Week 17? Jonathan Mingo, DJ Chark, they also have much higher upside than Adam Thielen. Last one I'll talk to, Jamal Williams, 28 years old, goes to New Orleans. We all think Al Kamara is getting suspended. I still think that's probably more likely to happen than not. Is it four games? Is it six games? Who knows? But when he's out, I do think he's probably the betting favorite to get the most touches in the backfield early on. But Jamal Williams has never been that guy before last year. His career high in carries was 153. That jumped all the way to 262. I would bet against that happening again this year, especially because you throw in the fact that Alvin Kamara is going to come back when it matters and Kendra Miller is a rookie who could emerge when it matters he has way more upside so I think identifying players that look good right now but could lose out over the course of the season especially in tournaments specifically in tournaments I think is one way that you can really leverage the field this year so I am trying not to overvalue week one outlook
0: yeah James Connor is a player that is buried because he's old he's older but down the stretch last year he was really good. It's 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 hard to look at players that have a good opportunity in fantasy football that you can bank on eight plus touchdowns. But at the end of the year, he could just be dust. Like he could just be like he's done and they cut him at the end of this year. And they are moving on and the team's bad, and they go to Keontae Ingram or they bring in whoever just to like limp through the end of the year. But right now, You could look at his ADP and say, Hey, I I could get a steal of a starting running back with, you know, that could get double digit touchdowns. He really could. I think we could look back and say that. But yeah, I I think week one is a tempting thing because we go off of what we think we know. But the majority of the year, we just don't know. Like you said, like 90% of the year, we have no clue of how this is going to turn out for a team. And I want to go back to Tony real quick. There was a player that the Chiefs had that was once one of the best per route players and they slowly expanded his route tree and they slowly expanded what type of player he was. And that was Tyreek Hill, right? Like if there's one player that Tony's been kind of comp to, it's like, Oh, well he's kind of like Tyreek esque. but Tyreek ran a full amount of routes. Like they wanted him out on the field. So you got to ask yourself with Tony, is he ever going to be somebody more than 15 routes a game? And if you knew you were getting 15 routes a game, there's no way he should go where he goes, right?
1: If you told me that was that was going to be the outcome, he'd be the worst pick on the board, no doubt about it.
0: Yeah, let me give you some other names that are going right there with Kadarius Tony. Right after him, our boy Jahan Dotson, George Pickens, Gabe the Babe Davis, Quentin Johnston, Brandon Cooks, Elijah Moore, and the Baltimore wide receivers. Like all of those dudes are ranked ahead of Tony in my rankings, and I think the archetypes are just better. Like, who's going to catch more touchdowns this year? Gabe Davis or Kadarius Toney?
1: I mean, we're going to look silly when we say Gabe Davis and he comes out for four touchdowns and Kadarius Tony catches five, but I will say Gabe Davis.
0: <laughs> I will too. Like, I feel pretty confident. It's not a stone-cold lock, but I'm going to take that. Um, yeah, I have all of these players ranked above him. So, I, I, once again, we could be wrong, but we're drafting as if, you know, a lot of times, like, he's going to be the guy in Kansas City where historically... Outside of Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, there's been no other dudes that get consistent volume. And players that rotate in way more than you think, just the Justin Watson types, they get on the field because they're trusted for the Chiefs and the production spread out. So Kadarius Tony's a fun player, don't get me wrong, but he's not somebody that I think we want to be drafting this year. All right, another trap. It's a trap. I'm calling this one finding the right RB family. I think rounding out your roster with running backs can be tough, and it all kind of depends on how you start your draft. Right? Are you going robust RB build? Do you go hero where you take one and you're just waiting? Uh, Do you just say, "Hey, I'm just going to wait till the seventh, eighth round and let's get nuts because running backs don't matter." Whatever it is, let me give you once again the points added as you go down. And running backs, as much as that we say they don't matter, as much as you can whiff on the 101 with Jonathan Taylor, whatever it is, you know that the guys who are guaranteed touches are ranked there at the top because they're good, right? Like, there's a reason why we have Nick Chubb and Tony Pollard, like all these players, like they're good on the field, they're good on a per-touch basis, they also could get injured. But a top 100 running back over the last two years has averaged 117 points added. But what's interesting is that if you drop from 100 to 170, kind of that window of the draft where it's like okay I'm trying to get my RB you know four or five whatever you can find a lot of running backs the average points added was 66 points which shocked me I thought it would be way lower for these parts of the draft and I looked at the data there are a lot of ambiguous running backs going past pick 100 this year and they could end up leading the team they could have every week kind of value and that's one of my favorite spots in the draft this year if you look on underdog, pass pick 100, there's a window of about four to five guys that I like and are showing up on my teams. The Zach Charbonnet, AJ Dillon, Antonio Gibson, Samaje Pirine. What do you think about those guys right there?
1: Yep, I was nodding my head the whole time Kyle was talking with those guys. I agree with you. That's a sweet spot. I think if you do go hero RB or a zero RB build, that's a great spot to be taking You know your RB2 or something like that, RB3. That is a range that I feel pretty confident will be uh, profitable and pay off because when you get after those guys, when you go to the next tier or two, then it gets really, really shaky, you know, for sure. So I don't think there's a lot of big differences between the guys that go there and the James Conner, Rashad White type of tier, right? Like and Isaiah Pacheco, you can poke a lot of holes in those guys. What's the difference in their outlook on a season-long basis? To me, not much.
0: Yeah, when you go past them, Brian Robinson... Damian Harris, Rashad Penny, Devon A-Chain, Khalil Herbert, Elijah Mitchell. Like, that's an area where I haven't had a lot of those guys. So, when you're drafting running backs, it's about finding the right family, the right pairings. And sometimes there's parts of the draft where I am just skipping entire rounds or round and a half of people. And so, you can be really fortunate if you use our rankings that I'm ending up with a lot of guys between pick 100 and 110. Uh, from the running back family, and not a lot for the next twenty picks. But then there's another grouping a little bit after that when you get to pick 135. Jalen Warren is probably steamed up a little bit more than he should be. Like well, he was going like pick 150 plus earlier. He's at 135 now. But I like him. Kendry Miller, Tank Bigsby. Uh, those are guys that uh, Jerome Ford's gone up what 50 picks. So yeah, he I'm was a little worried to about like, that one. <laughs> yeah. That one's going up a little bit high in my exposure, but then it drops off a cliff again until the very, very end. So you're finding the right groupings. Now, In the if you're going robust, okay? If you're going robust, I categorize that as you have at least two running backs in the first four rounds, okay? And then you're probably adding a third running back by round six, okay? So you're getting three running backs in the first six to seven rounds. That's a little high testosterone. Most of my teams don't look that way. But let's say you did go, let's say you started your draft bets because you're a high T guy, right? Obviously. Okay, let's say you started your draft, you said, you know what? I am going, I'm going Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, okay, because Chubb is as high T as it gets, but we love Chubb. And then you said, you know what, I want to add another running back in like the fourth, fifth round. I'm I'm going JK Dobbins, okay? So you started your draft with Eckler. You added a wide receiver in there. Maybe you got Mark Andrews because you you're crazy about him. But Eckler, Chubb, and then Dobbins. How are you thinking about your team knowing that you just spent crazy draft capital on those players? Um, and you're an idiot because Eckler and Chubb have the same buy.
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, buddy. Um if that's my start, you're you are backed into a corner of your like, I'm I'm taking wide receiver with my next six picks, you know, or something like that, unless there's something obvious that sticks out from a value standpoint. But when you start that way, A, I hate my teams. And B, what Kyle talked about earlier is you are forced to be taking Michael Thomas, Cortland Sutton range, you know, Skymore range, like that sort of stuff. And that's where it gets super dicey.
0: The running back range that we've hit the most this year is when you get to RB12. So you've already hit wide receiver or an elite tight end with Mark Andrews. But when you get to RB12, that's Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Jameer Gibbs, Joe Mixon, Kenneth Walker, Aaron Jones, J.K. Dobbins, Alexander Madison, Miles Sanders. That tier is awesome. That tier, I think, is one that I will be willing to use. If I've gotten one running back early, I will find another there. So my builds tend to be either two in this range from pick 37 to 63, or I've taken one running back and then I just hit one more here. Because I feel like these guys are being a bit undervalued. We talked about Joe Mixon before. Is like, if we knew he's the guy right now, Joe Mixon should not go at pick 50, right? He should go at least 10 more picks ahead if you knew he was the guy on a good Cincinnati offense. So that's kind of the way that I build is that I want to get one of those elite guys because I know that they're going to, you know, they're going to give me insane amount of points, the Austin Eckler type season. But I'm finding that I can pair them with the right person in this next tier, and I've still been able to hit wide receiver early. Like I've still been able to get two or three in the first couple of rounds. And so then I'm I'm making sure that I have my rule, that I have four or five wide receivers before pick 100 and I'm able to build it out. So any thoughts on this kind of second tier range past pick uh, 37?
1: Yeah, I think just from an overall standpoint, what you're saying is correct. You just want to match kind of how you're drafting. Early with kind of where you're taking your next guys, meaning like if you don't take running backs early, it's okay to double tap in this range if you already took one, you probably shouldn't take two here right like that's kind of the the take home is just make sure everything fits together. but to speak to kind of this uh this range here of this kind of next group, you know there's a lot of guys in here that you can make the case for and make the case against, and I found myself in this range kind of leaning into. Jameer Gibbs a little bit. We talked about the Lions. I'll take a ton of David Montgomery later, but the love doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. I've also taken a decent amount of Dobbins just buying into the offense. And I've sort of faded, you know, Miles Sanders. I've been cooling off on Travis Etienne. If he falls into, you know, the 40s and I've even seen early 50s, like I'll take him there, obviously. But, you know, this is a good range, I think, to if you're going wide receiver early, take your RB1 here. Or if you do find someone that you really like and you have one early, I think it's okay to take RB two here. But I am I'm with you, man. Like, there's not a huge difference for me in kind of this like early range and the the end of the range before that. And there's also not a huge difference between Miles Sanders and you know uh, Cam Akers or David Montgomery or any of those guys. So just be I think being mindful too of like where the tear breaks are and ask yourself if you can get the same production a round or two later.
0: Yeah, there's buckets in these drafts that, you know, we're going to be wrong on some of our rankings, but you just look at the value. And when you combine that with the other positions and the way that you're drafting, I think the board sets up well for someone to ignore a lot of the guys where you're not double tapping the running backs from 67 to 96. Okay, so between running backs 21 and 30, I may be taking one of those guys and David Montgomery is the one that you and I have talked about the most. I feel like you've been leading that train, but on a touchdown website like this, like I want players that can get in the end zone on a good offense. And I I think he's the one that kind of stands out from this next tier. So that's all I really want to bring up is like, look at the buckets, find the right family. And then when you start getting later, know that there are a ton of zeros. Okay. Over the last two years, the average points added past pick 170 is 20 points to your roster. And sometimes that is a big deal because you're finding someone at the end of the year that gets a little bit of playing time and they get a start and that's fine. Like Kenneth Gainwell is somebody that I'm like, you know what? It could shake out that he ends up being a starting running back and he's used in a really big way towards the end of the year because Penny's hurt or Swift's ineffective or whatever else is going on. Swift gets hurt. And I think Gainwell is a a fun player at the end on an offense we like and they used him a lot in the playoffs. So it's just mixing and matching those archetypes based on what you have. But yeah, good luck past pick 200 on a running back. They're probably not going to help your roster. So I'm seeing people add their seventh running back past pick 200. It's like, hey, you've actually already hit this. You know, you're you're a tight end. A third tight end would actually do your roster better because you know they're going to be live at the end of the year. They could actually get in your flex. And running backs, you're only starting two. You're only starting two of them, so I've had more five running back builds this year than I've ever had, and I don't know if that's right, but I've kind of leaned into drafting as if I was right, getting three running backs before pick 100, or before pick 110, and then I've kind of rounded out with a couple of guys later on, so I don't know. I think I've been lighter on running backs because wide receivers have been pushed up, but I like where they're going in the buckets. Do you feel that way?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I agree with you. I've had a ton of five RB teams. I have a couple of six, but it's mostly just when I'm, you know, hammering away a wide receiver and tight end earlier or an elite quarterback early. Um, And more when I'm just like, you know what, I need to make up for this lack of quality with quantity. So let's roll with it. But I'm with you that, especially around 17, 18, those guys are all super shaky, even if things go right. Like even if, uh, you know, uh, Ty Chandler does actually win the RB two job for Minnesota. There's no guarantee that he's actually good or effective or, or whatever, but like you say, I'll, we've been talking about this. I feel like all summer is like K dotten is not giving you a zero. Hunter Henry is not giving you a zero. Isaiah Likely is going to have a couple of weeks if Mark Andrews is out, where he is ranked in weekly rankings as a top eight tight end. Like there are guys here that you can find that will give you usable weeks, and I feel somewhat confident that as the landscape stands right now, and this could change, that those guys are just better picks than these running back darts where you're just hoping and, and praying that they actually work out
0: Isaiah Likely is such a fun pick man in tournaments that you, d- you are not drafting Mark Andrews at the very end of your draft list, so he's now right at my top 202 where Otten Likely are players that I just hey get them on your rosters at the very very end with your last pick if you're going three tight ends uh, I love them. So last, last little quick trap It's a trap! let's just briefly mention this. We've probably said this way too many times, but the biggest trap is reaching on stacks. That is by far the one that I see the most where people are giving up 15 to 20 spots in ADP just to complete a stack. So I feel like the data we've brought this up every single year, but it's, it's just killing your advance rate
1: for sure. And really the, the cutoff for a lot of the research is about a round and a half. So yeah, I talked about this with ADP. If you love a guy and he fits your team build and you want to take him seven spots ahead of ADP, that's fine. Do that. But what we're saying is just more avoiding. You know, I got to go up two and a half rounds here just to get this wide receiver with my quarterback. There's a reason that player is going. You know, at pick 90, you shouldn't have to pick them at pick 70. Um, and and a lot of the data is actually showing if you are doing that, it's just worse than not stacking at all to get your teams through to the playoff. So I am letting the board fall to me. Not reaching on stacks and making sure that I'm letting these stacks fall to me. And if you are able to build a couple of teams and a couple of players like together, you know if you have, let's just say for example, you start your draft with Chase and, and T. Higgins, there's a better chance that Joe Burrow is going to fall a little bit to you a little bit later. Now, there's always a draft or two where it's like, why is this dude taking Joe Burrow? He doesn't have his top two bass catchers. Sure, he's going to stack him up with Irv Smith and just hope for the best. It's not going to work out, but you should make the bet that these guys will fall to you if you already have their stacking partner so don't reach let the board fall to you if you are reaching more than round and a half it's probably better to just sit this one out and not stack at all
0: yes i'm seeing it a lot on teams that you know they get they get Justin Jefferson on their team okay and he's on that side of the board right like it, it when you just think about it logically and spatially like there are certain players you will never get on different sides of the board quarterback can be a little different because if you don't have that pass catcher, a lot of times people will just avoid them and they can slide. But like I'm in a draft where of course Jefferson went, you know, the top two picks, but, and I'm, I'm not going to put this person on blast or anything, but Kirk cousins, ADP is 111, and they took him at 90 just cause they had to complete the stack. So it's like, Hey, you, you are really reaching there. Like, you no, know, they took him at 95. So it was still a good 20 picks before where he's going. So keep that in mind. You don't have to complete it. In fact, we want stacks that actually bring along one of the players with them. So, you know, Justin Jefferson is hopefully bringing along Kirk Cousins with him. So you drafting him 15 spots ahead isn't actually helping your team. It's actually hurting you because you're missing out on some of those other values, including, like I mentioned earlier, you need to get a certain number of wide receivers before pick 100. And so I'm looking at this team, and they start off the draft just totally fine. It's hard to pick holes in, in other parts. But like this team's relying on Jamison Williams to be their wide receiver four. That's a lot. That's a lot to ask for when you know you're getting six weeks of zeros. So keep that in mind. I mean, they drafted some other good guys. It's fine. You, I mean, everybody's team's going to look good through the first first part, but it's not as good as mine. Of course, obviously. You want to hear about this awesome team? Jamar Chase, DK Metcalf, Josh Allen, with a backdoor Gabe Davis, and a backdoor Dawson Knox, and Isaiah Likely late? Come on. What can go wrong? I, uh, Uncle Jerome's on this team. Uh, of course, Michael Gallup's on this team. I don't like my running backs, but whatever. No, There's going to be a position <laughs> matter. you hate. It
1: right? <laughs> don't matter, remember?
0: <laughs> I feel like when somebody posts their draft, I'm like, this is my best draft ever, I'm like there's got to be a position that you just hate and you're just terrified. Like, this this position's going to completely screw me. Uh, that just happens. That's how best ball works. That's going to do it for this episode. We are going to be talking league winners soon on this podcast. So Bets and I will give our stamp of approval. He can find this year's Ramondre Stevenson, which, good luck, that was one in a million type of picks. But check out all of our stuff at ultimatedraftkit.com. Bets, tell the people goodbye.
1: One in a million for you. That was easy for me, Kyle, actually. No, but in all seriousness, have a good weekend out there, everyone. Fourth of July weekend. Enjoy celebrating. Stay safe out there. We'll be back next week. Enjoy the weekend. Take care. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at the fantasyfootballers.com.